0: Welcome back to Coaches on a Mission. It's Dallas Travers here bringing the What to Do Instead series straight to your earbuds. Have you ever thought about the questionable methods doing the rounds in the online coaching space? Yeah, me too. (laughs) We've all seen them. And you know, we're not just here to point fingers. This What to Do Instead series is about providing fixes. So this series is our solution-oriented deep dive into the digital coaching conundrums we all face. You know, it's simple to point out what's wrong, but carving out the better way, that's where the magic happens. And my guests and I, we are on a mission to not only flag the issues, but to flip them on their heads with some savvy, easy-to-implement solutions. So this is episode number seven, I can't believe it, of our special series, and today we're To talk about two essential marketing tools, I know I intend to leverage even more in 2024. The first is AI. Sonia Crystal Williams will get us started today by sharing her FIT formula to help you use AI with intention. From there, I will actually share an eight-step process to help you repurpose your best content and turn it into six more pieces of content that sound just like you because they all originate from you. Then we're going to shift gears and talk about SEO, which is a tool I know I've completely underutilized in the past. Kate Kordsmeyer will invite you to replace social media marketing with a long-term SEO strategy. She quit social media not long ago, and she has never looked back. From there, she's going to deliver an SEO masterclass. That's really what it feels like to help you put things into action. And then Brittany Herzberg is going to wrap this conversation up. She's got a brilliant strategy to leverage SEO in your case studies and testimonials. So I hope you're ready for a paradigm shift today because I have a feeling that's what is about to happen. But first, I want to make sure you can put everything you learn inside this series into action. So please hop on over to dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. That's what to do instead, right? Go to dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI for your exclusive companion digital magazine. Yes, it's packed with articles inspired by each and every guest in the series, plus a free gift from them as well. But best of all, for every new subscriber who downloads our magazine before the year wraps up, I'm donating a dollar to the AFIA Center. This outstanding organization is really the beacon of reproductive justice in North Texas and it is steered by phenomenal black women. They're not just about talking the talk. They walk the walk by providing education, resources, and most importantly, a voice to black women and girls. So lend your support, get your magazine, and know you're doing good on so many fronts. And again, you can do that all at dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. All right. I think that covers it. Let's dive into smart SEO and ethical AI.
1: Hi, I'm Sonia Crystal Williams. I'm a digital marketing expert and I work with coaches. I work with busy professionals, all helping them with strategies, systems and training that really helps them create engaging content to run on social media and organic campaigns, as well as running profitable ad campaigns. All right, so one harmful practice coaches need to ditch right away is having a heavy reliance on AI to speak in your unique voice. So, And here's what I mean by that. I know some of you are learning AI, some of you are getting used to it, and there's a lot of information out there on how to use AI. Using it is great, but how you use it matters. Let me share with you why we all need to let this practice go of heavy reliance on AI before we reach that point of no return. AI is great for coming up with ideas and topics for social media, maybe even helping to craft some of your posts, but it truly requires human touch human intellect, human finesse to really turn it into something. And here's where it can be harmful for you if you're not doing that, all right? You end up with really generic, low-quality content. Search engines don't like that. Social media networks don't like that. And the truth is, if everyone has access to some of these same AI tools, many of which are free, And content can now get created quickly, maybe even more efficiently. And everyone's producing tons and tons and tons of text and content in different places. Now everyone can do it. And when everyone's doing it, how do you make sure that you've positioned yourself to still stand out? We are all now put in this position where standing out matters now way more than ever before. Before I take you through the steps, let me introduce what you can do instead. Generate AI content that fits your brand, fit spelled F-I-T-T instead, all right? So think about this as approaching using AI in a way that allows you to create compelling content and drives people to take action in your voice. Now I'll take you through each step. And what I'd like to do here is lay out a simple process that helps you use AI in a way that ensures it's a fit, F-I-T-T, for you creating compelling content in your voice. And that's the key. So step one, F, okay? For what purpose am I using AI? And you need to get clear on what that purpose is. Am I about to use this tool to create content where I want it to write for me word for word? If so, again, there might be a heavy reliance there. So how do I do this more effectively so I don't sound like all the other noise and create generic, low-quality content? So you really need to think about that. Am I using this to write word for word? Am I using it just to generate ideas, maybe content calendars, maybe ideas for what kind of topics you could post about? Am I using it to refine content? Am I using this in a way where I have some post or a blog article or something that already exists, and I just want it to make it better, okay? So you need to get clear on what that is, because that feeds into the next step, I, step two, identify tools, okay? So we got F, for what purpose am I using AI, I, identify tools, what tools am I going to use that serves the need or answers the questions, to the purpose of why I'm doing this to begin with. And there's a lot of tools out there. ChatGPT, BARD, Jasper AI, Copy AI, the list goes on and on. Once you have clarity around that, then that's going to help you in terms of what you need to do next, which is train your AI. T, step three, okay? So training your AI means... You are helping that AI tool understand for you as a coach who you are, how you speak, what is your tone, how should it come across, how should it help make people feel if this is for social media post, if this is for a hook or a headline, so that it's authentically sounding like you and not just, again, more noise in the, in the social media feeds that exist out there. Okay, so you as a coach have to train up that tool and I'm going to use a real simple tool, right? Most of us have access to ChatGPT. We can use it. You can create a free account. And so when you're using a tool like ChatGPT, then think of it in terms of I'm the boss. ChatGPT is my executive assistant here to take notes and I'm dictating my needs to that assistant. And this, when I do dictate or give prompts, it's not a one-time demand. It is a ongoing conversation where my executive assistant responds to me. And then I say, well, I like that idea, but let's refine it or let's polish it up by doing XYZ or this or that. Okay. That's how we begin to work with AI effectively. And as we train that AI, the same way you train your executive assistant, if they were writing memos or something, emails on your behalf, you have to train it to speak like you, to sound like you, to know what trigger words it should be using. So you've got to program it in a sense, but you got to do it each time you're creating a new series of prompts. Let me give you three quick ways on how you train your AI, okay? Number one, if you just don't know what else to do, a great starting point, and this, if nothing else, can give you a feel for how it could begin to write. You might say something simple, like, I am a coach that works with people who are focused on career growth. And I love Oprah Winfrey. And so you might even tell as it's generating those social media prompts for you, act as blank. So you might say act as a social media manager and generate five social media posts to promote my new coaching program in the voice of Oprah Winfrey. It could be something simple like that. And you might have to polish up. I'm giving you a quick example, right? You might have to polish up that prompt a little bit, but you could say in the voice of, and if it's a famous figure that ChatGPT can go and kind of research and find that has a lot of content out there, that's a possibility. Now, remember, that's not your voice, but it's a starting point. You still need to take whatever it generates and probably refine it even more, but it does give you something to work with as a starting point. So, So, that's one technique. Another technique on how you train your AI is you feed it content of yours that currently exists. Take an excerpt from an email you've written. Take an excerpt from a blog post that you've written. Again, not one that maybe your copywriter wrote for you, but one that sounds like you and it's written in your voice and your tone so that it can pick up on the subtle details of how it should be writing those social media posts for you. So, that's another step or technique that you can take. And then one more final technique might be feeding it your bio. So within that prompt, giving it some background information about I'm in this profession, I'm in this location, these are some of my personality traits, these are key details about what I do, include that in your prompt. And that would go below you kind of giving it the command so that it knows how to write it. This is way more effective than simply telling ChatGPT to write some social media posts for you, and then to do it in a conversational and friendly tone, right? This replaces that, and we are training the AI to be more effective in what it delivers back to you, all right? Now, let me give you the final one, final T, F-I-T-T, topic generation, okay? Topic and content generation. Our final step, once we've trained the AI, is now we get it to refine, and either A, we're using it to generate maybe topics that we can write about, or B, we're getting it to actually generate the content word for word in that voice that we've just trained and programmed it to do. So you're giving it one step at a time. You're helping it help you by being really specific in what you're asking it for. And that is the key to generating more compelling content that's more likely to get your audience to engage with your brand and to do it in your voice. Here's what's possible when coaches use the FIT method. So you, more than anything, create content that is highly valuable and it's high quality content that social media networks will appreciate even based on the algorithms. That search engines will appreciate it even if you're writing blog posts, okay, because it's way more unique. And so you begin to stand out a lot more with your content, specifically to your niche audience who needs to hear your message. It also saves you time. And there's two ways we think about how it saves time, okay? This doesn't replace you writing your own posts. It may not replace if you have someone on your team, a VA or a social media assistant. It doesn't replace their job, but it saves them time for their function. And they can take that time that was saved and invest it into other activities, making them way more productive. So it's that combination of AI and human interaction that creates that efficiency that can really enhance your business, which at the end of the day, may even enhance your revenue. Now, I want to give you one more thing to imagine, because I want to walk you through a quick little story. Okay, let's imagine All right. You're a coach, but specifically you're a real estate coach helping other realtors. All right. And this is a real world example, but I'm going to tell it as a story in terms of how we did this. Okay. Using the FIT method. So you're a real estate coach and you want to revamp your presence on LinkedIn. So when we think about the blueprint we have F for what purpose am I using AI? Well, I'm going to use it to generate some ideas around maybe some posts that I could put up to enhance that presence I want to have on LinkedIn. I, all right, I need to think about, okay, identify the tool. I'm going to use chat GPT in this case. T, train your AI. Big, big step right here. Okay, so how do I train my AI in this case? Well, normally we start with a simple prompt, like act as a real estate coach. And in this case, I'm going to tell it, generate 15 days worth of social media prompts or ideas for posts that I can put on my account that will create more engagement. Now that's a real simple way to do it, right? But remember, we need to use one of those other techniques to train our AI to speak in the voice we need it to speak in. So remember, in addition to that prompt, you're adding on an insert of that, you know, additional text sample. But in my example in my story, let's just say we tell it in addition to that prompt, we want it to write content ideas in the form of stories that we're going to use in this account. So, 15 days worth of ideas that will generate stories I can tell on my LinkedIn account and write the text from the perspective. Of the following person talking to, and then blank insert your audience, okay? And you're gonna put a few bullet points there because this is where you insert your bio. So, profession, you know, real estate coach, location, Atlanta, Georgia. And then write some of those experiences and maybe some of the traits that you have so that when it delivers back that list of ideas, even though it's not gonna write word for word for you, it's gonna generate a list of ideas that are very specific to your style your profession as a coach, even your location and what matters there, okay? Again, that's our final step, which is the actual topic generation in this case, all right? So follow those steps. That's a quick example of how you make it all happen, and I wish you success. If you take nothing else away from this episode, know that learning how to use AI to generate compelling content isn't easy, And so coming up with a technique to adapt and using that approach effectively will always help you in the end. Train your AI. That's probably the biggest takeaway that I want you to remember so that it's always doing you good and it's allowing your brand and your voice to shine authentically.
0: Hi, it's Dallas Travers back again. Yes, I'm your host here of the Coaches on a Mission podcast. And yes, I help values-driven coaches build a business that they're truly proud of using the ripple effect system. So I'm pinch hitting here kind of at the last minute, but it worked out perfectly. We had a guest step out of the What to Do Instead series at the last moment, and I didn't want you to miss out on any essential AI training. So I'm excited to be here because what I'm going to share today is something that I have worked really hard to develop over the past couple of months, and it's something I haven't even introduced to the Hive members yet. We're going to do a class about it in January. So what is it? It is AI training, in particular, ChatGPT. So there's been so much talk in the online space about how you can use AI, again, in particular Chat GPT, to generate social content, emails. I even saw in my Instagram feed today how you can use ChatGPT to design and sell a course in an hour. It was bananas. So whether or not you can delegate your content creation to ChatGPT or not, that's a conversation for another day. What I want to do is talk about how you can partner with ChatGPT to repurpose your best original content into up to six fresh pieces of content that totally match your values, your voice, and your vibe because they originally come from you. So rather than this harmful practice of just Plugging in a couple of prompts into ChatGPT and trusting that the content will match you and your audience, let's leverage ChatGPT to repurpose and get more mileage out of the stuff you've already spent so much time creating. Okay, so I'm going to share why we need to shift from, ooh, ChatGPT is like a a one-way ticket to millionairesville, right? And you're looking at it truly as a tool. Information is cheap, and it's only going to get to be cheaper and cheaper as AI becomes more and more sophisticated. This is good news for coaches. Because what we provide is an experience for our clients and students. ChatGPT cannot replicate that transformative container that we deliver one client, one course, one mastermind at a time. So the folks who think that ChatGPT is going to magically make them a genius marketer or allow them to like click a couple buttons and generate passive revenue, they aren't thinking about the full picture here. But on the flip side, I see too many values-driven coaches relate to ChatGPT like Google. They simply use it kind of like a search engine of sorts, which results in really crappy content. Okay, so before I take you through the steps, let me introduce what we can do instead. I call it the Precision Prompt Framework, and yes, ChatGPT helped me name it. (laughs) The Precision Prompt Framework is designed to help you repurpose your amazing content with super smart prompts so that you can get the most mileage from your incredible original ideas. So now I'm going to take you through the process. Step number one, select some of your own original content. The goal here is to get good at repurposing. So, we've got to start with content that you've created and content that you're proud of. Then, when you're utilizing ChatGPT, you want to assign ChatGPT a role. Okay? So, do you want ChatGPT to think like a digital marketer, like an award-winning copywriter, like an expert perimenopause coach, what is the role you want ChatGPT to sit in as it takes on this assignment from you? Step number three, define your goal or goals. The more context and information you provide, the better results you'll see from ChatGPT. Step four, define your target audience. Share the goal or the main obstacle your target audience faces, specifically as it relates to the content that you're working around with ChatGPT. So if you're a perimenopause coach, there's a whole bunch of goals or problems that your target audience might face, but maybe you are looking to repurpose content about healthy sleep. So the obstacle might be... Anxiety in the morning, sleep disruptions at night, hot flashes, right? So, you want to tell ChatGPT more specifically what problem you want to solve. Okay. All right. So, step number five address the tone and the call to action. So, you want to fill in style details here. How would you describe your voice? Here's how I came up with it. And I'm so, it just is working so brilliantly for me. Think about. Three well-known public figures who, if you mix them all together in a blender, the result would be your voice. So for me, I'd say my voice is the perfect combination of Diane Sawyer, credible and grounded, right? Brene Brown, insightful and down to earth, and Chelsea Handler. She's funny. She's even a little sarcastic. So how are you going to tell ChatGPT to match your voice? Step six, invite questions. This could be the most important part of this entire process. So here's the language that I use. Please ask me at least six questions to gather all the information and context you need so that I can take full advantage of your abilities. From there, step seven, you're going to paste the original content that you wish to repurpose. Okay, ChatGPT is gonna take your prompt, it's gonna ask you some questions, and then after a tiny bit of back and forth, it will deliver up some pretty darn good content. Step eight, take the time to give ChatGPT feedback so that you can land at something that really matches your voice. And then step nine, once you've got that solid piece of repurposed content, you're gonna repeat this process for another piece of content. Then you'll repeat the process for yet another piece of content. And I was able to do this and come up with six super solid pieces of content that all sound just like me because they come from my original ideas. Okay, so what's possible when you use this precision prompt framework? Let me just share with you what happened for me. So I assigned ChatGPT a role. You are an expert copywriter and digital marketer. Then I defined the goal. I said, turn the email copy I'll provide into three highly engaging 60-second Instagram reel scripts in the voice that matches a combination of Diane Sawyer, Brene Brown, and Chelsea Handler. Then I define the target audience. The target audience is values-driven coaches who feel nervous about being pushy when they sell, yet they want more clients. Step four, the tone and the CTA. I already shared the voice that I use, right? I also went on to say, use a conversational tone and speak with friendly authority. The call to action is for viewers to comment. They commented a word to sign up for my free webinar. Step five, then I invited questions. Ask me at least six questions to gather all the information and context you need so I can take full advantage of your abilities. Then I pasted my original content. ChatGPT came back with six questions. One about tone and brand voice. One about visual context because I was asking for Instagram Reels. One about main takeaways. What are the top three messages I want viewers to really hang on to? a question about emotional connection, specifics about my call to action, and engagement hooks. I took the time, and it's going to feel annoying at first, but then you get to build off of this to thoughtfully answer each of those questions. And ChatGPT delivered, I mean, it felt like I wrote them, truly, three direct-to-camera Instagram Reel scripts. Then what I did was say to ChatGPT, you're still an expert copywriter. Using all the context I provided above, please turn real script number 3, the third one they delivered to me, this one they called it Truth Triumphs, so turn that reel into an Instagram carousel featuring at least 5 slides. Include a hooky headline and maintain this conversational, sincere tone. ChatGPT said, "Absolutely, here's your carousel." And it was very Mm, corny? It was super corny. So I gave ChatGPT feedback. I said, Thank you. I'm very polite to ChatGPT. I said, Thank you. Can you please redo this carousel as a text only carousel instead? The tone again is in the voice of Dallas Travers, which is a combination of Diane Sawyer, Brene Brown, and Chelsea Handler. JetGPT said, of course, text-only carousels in the voice of Dallas Travers, melding earnestness and vulnerability and directness. Here we go. And what it delivered was a really great carousel. So then I said, thank you. And I said, let's write a caption for this carousel. The caption it delivered was awesome. And then I said, thanks for all of this. Let's come up with relevant hashtags And can you combine that carousel and caption into an email that I can send to my audience? So I started with an email to my audience. I created three real scripts, one carousel, a carousel caption, and then I brought it right back to another email. This is what's possible when you take the time to apply the precision prompt formula. So fun, right? So I hosted a retreat just last month. And this was an exercise that we did at the retreat. And So many of our members, by the end of it, if nothing else, they got really good at prompting. But one participant in particular, her first name is Ashley, it was incredible what she was able to generate. And again, we're not just stealing ideas from the internet. That's a harmful practice. It's not going to pay off in the long run. But we're getting smart about how to take the hard work that you have already poured in to your messaging, poured into your content, and get more mileage from it. So... If you take nothing else away from this episode, I want you to know that nobody is ever going to create content better than you do. But that doesn't mean you have to spend every spare minute typing away on your laptop. You can leverage ChatGPT ethically by working side-by-side with AI to repurpose the stuff that you've already created. All right, before we shift gears and talk about smart SEO strategies, please go download your free companion What to Do Instead magazine. We've turned each guest's talk into an easy to follow article. Plus, for every new email subscriber who downloads the magazine before the end of December, I'm going to donate $1 to the AFIA Center, which is an incredible reproductive justice organization helping Black women and girls achieve true reproductive freedom. so not only will you get the chance to support this incredible cause, but you'll also get your hands on some really cool freebies that our guests have contributed. They're gifts for you and you can get them now at dallastravers.com WTDI. So here's a quick preview just from today. Sonia will help you craft irresistible social media messages with AI magic. Brittany is going to just give you this SEO basics checklist. This was so invaluable. It's a step-by-step guide to getting started with a smart and simple SEO strategy. Kate is switching gears a little bit here. She's going to give you something called the cycle key, which is an empowering, game-changing approach to planning and productivity. This is designed to be something that you can model and actually deliver to your audience. And lastly, I'm going to give you the step-by-step process that you can read along and follow that's built on my talk, which was all about helping you repurpose your very best content, leveraging chat GPT. Okay, lots of great tools await you in the What to Do Instead digital magazine, plus your free download supports a very, very good cause. So go grab your magazine now at dallastravers.com forward slash W-T-D-I. Hi
2: there. My name is Kate Kordsmeyer, and I am the founder and CEO of Success with Soul, I actually started as a freelance journalist, and my entrepreneurial journey led me to create a blog, which I sold in 2021 for multiple six figures. Around that same time, I had become a business coach, and actually, I ended up quitting social media back in 2021. And now, as the host of the Successful Soul podcast and our digital shop of the same name, creator of programs like the Mindful Business Academy and the Launch Lab, I focus on empowering women entrepreneurs to succeed without burnout and without social media. I actually grew my business by 165% the first year that I quit social media, and I'm here to show you how you can do the same. All right, so let's dive in. The outdated practice that coaches need to ditch is the over-reliance on social media. We've been sold this lie that we have to be always on, constantly engaging, posting, hashtagging, reeling, dancing on videos, embarrassing ourselves, constantly scrolling, commenting, DMing, you name it. Honestly, what's the real ROI? I mean, other than stress, comparisonitis, and an ever-dwindling sense of self-worth, is this time-consuming, soul-sucking activity actually even working for you? Two years ago, I did the unthinkable. I quit social media. And when I say that, I want to be clear. I don't scroll. I don't post. I don't DM. I don't have the app on my phone. I don't check in occasionally with updates. I don't second guess whether I should post just a little something quick during a promotion. I don't hire it out. I don't pay someone else to do it for me. Nothing. I am off of Facebook and Instagram. I've never been on TikTok. Probably makes me sound super old. And we've even moved our client Facebook groups over to Slack. So when I say I quit social media, I mean I quit social media. And you know what happened? I didn't die. And my business didn't crash. In fact, it took off. You've heard me say this before, but in the first year of quitting social media, my business grew by 165%. Yours can too. So what could your life look like without that incessant buzzing and pinging and posting and thinking about what you have to post next? Let's get into that. Because when I quit social media, why did my business actually grow? Well, I think it was because I reclaimed my focus and my time. And guess what else? My joy. So I know one of the first things that people think about when I say quit social media is FOMO. I know. I know. And you've heard of FOMO, obviously, before, the fear of missing out. But what about JOMO, the joy of missing out? Because what are you actually missing out on, fake highlight reels? Let's talk about what's actually possible when you're not constantly plugged in. You could find time to work on that course you've been dying to launch. You could spend real time with humans you actually love. Just imagine reclaiming not just time, but headspace. All of the time in your mind, all of that mental bandwidth that you spend thinking about what you need to post next, how is that post doing, where you should be posting, should you post a little bit more, a little bit less, how did that last post resonate, did it get enough likes, did it get enough comments and shares, whatever metric you're measuring these days, what if you could focus instead on money-making and joy-creating tasks instead of that constant comparison and overstimulation. FOMO keeps you in a holding pattern. JOMO is your one-way ticket to liberation because your business does not need social media. It needs you, fully present and unfiltered. No FOMO can give you the joy that focusing on your true path can't. And why else did my business grow when I quit social media? Well, because it wasn't actually working for me the way I thought it was. So that leads us into the next section here, which is our audit. I want you to grab a notepad, digital or otherwise, for this section, and let's dig deep. So for this audit, I want you to ask yourself the following questions and jot down your answers. No cheating. You need to be brutally honest here. So the audit list. Question number one, how many hours per day are you spending on each social media platform? If you're an iPhone user, Apple makes this really easy by going to the Screen Time app and looking at how many hours you're currently spending. It will break it down by each individual app and as a total, you can see how much time you spend on social. Okay, that's question number one. Question number two for the audit, what tangible outcomes have you seen from this time invested? what is your ROI? So to measure ROI, which is your return on investment, look at what percentage of your leads or sales or both come from each platform. You could also consider metrics like customer engagement. Maybe you have a question on an onboarding form where you ask people where they heard about you. What do people say there? And you could even look in Google Analytics and see how much of your website traffic originates from social media. And if you have UTM campaigns set up, go you. This is a definitely more advanced strategy. But if you have UTM campaigns set up, you can get really granular and you can see exactly where everybody is coming from and what they did. Were they on social media? Did they click over from a particular social post that led them to whatever the action you want them to take are joining your email list, buying your offer, et cetera. If you don't have UTM campaigns set up yet, this might be something that you want to implement in the future so you can see if it's really working or not. If you're just getting started, don't worry about this. This is definitely, again, a more advanced strategy. Right, the next question in the audit, does your follower count correlate with your bank account? I can't tell you how many people I know that have tens of thousands of followers and make zero dollars. And likewise, I can't tell you how many millionaire business owners I know who have less than 10,000 followers. So be honest here. Are your social interactions leading to business growth or is it really just a dopamine hit? All right. One more question. Actually, two more questions. How many real conversations, like ones that actually bring value to your business, have you had on these platforms in the past month? And then finally, on a scale of one to 10, how much mental stress do these platforms cause you? All right, now compare your notes, see what red flags come up. This might take you a little while to dig into some of the data, but I am a huge fan of making database decisions. The data doesn't lie. And what I think people are often surprised to see is that Even though they have been on that hamster wheel posting daily, creating all kinds of fancy reels and doing all the things, it's not actually moving the needle in their business. So I'm very curious to see what comes up for you. Here's what came up for me when I did the audit. It essentially led me to create a new manifesto for my business. In a world addicted to clicks, likes, and shares, I'm choosing a different path for my business. I acknowledge that social media, though a sometimes helpful tool, has turned into a time suck, consuming hours that could be better spent on revenue-generating and soul-fulfilling work. It's more than just a time cost, it's a mental toll. And the constant barrage of curated success and high-stakes comparison fuels a toxic cocktail of anxiety, stress, and self-doubt. Enough is enough. I envision a business where quality trumps quantity. Real relationships nurtured in the unfiltered world will replace shallow online connections. My workdays will be filled with focused, meaningful tasks that move the needle, free from the incessant ping of notifications and the lure of the infinite scroll. This isn't just about cutting ties with social platforms, it's about reclaiming my time and headspace and steering it purposefully toward authentic human interactions and business activities that genuinely deserve my attention. I am committed to redirecting the time saved from social media towards higher impact business tasks, be it strategic planning, lead gen, content creation, or even a well-deserved break to recharge my batteries. All right, so what are you going to do instead? Now, before I take you through the steps, I just want to introduce you to this concept overall. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's not a quick fix or a hack, this is a long-term sustainable strategy. S-E-O. The way that I like to think about this is the difference between hybrid cars and gasoline cars. And so we know like gas cars only run when you put gas in them. And this is very similar to strategies like paid ads or social media, where it's not that they necessarily don't work. It's just that once you stop Feeding the Zuckerberg. Once you stop posting on social, everything stops working. Whereas in a hybrid car, for example, and this is something kind of like organic SEO, which is search engine optimization. If you're new to this, this is like thinking about running our business on electricity. It, it powers your business quietly and consistently, and it brings in traffic even when you're not actively working on it. And so just when we kind of compare that, I think it kind of gives you some perspective and maybe permission on you don't have to be there every day filling up your tank, that there are ways that you can fill up your tank once, get it charged and let it work for you for a much longer period of time. So opposite of what we're led to believe when we feel like, but everybody's on social, all the big gurus are there. And if they're doing it, then that means I have to do it too. But actually, organic search traffic, when this is traffic that when people type something into Google and the website pops up and they click to it, that's considered organic search traffic. Organic search actually drives over 53% of all website traffic compared to only 5% of social media. And organic search, actually, that traffic that comes to your site has an average conversion rate of 16% compared to less than 2% with social media. So you're more likely to get people to your website, to see your packages, to see what you have to offer, and to convert them into email subscribers, into clients when you have an organic search strategy fueling that traffic. So hopefully that gives you a little more hard evidence that this isn't just like a silly theory that I'd come up with, but something actually is rooted in, in facts. Okay. To clear up a little bit, in case there's any confusion, when I say search traffic or organic search, I'm talking about people who are actively looking for what you're selling. So this isn't some spray and pray method like social media can be. These are truly hot, hot leads. And, and we'll talk more about that in just a second, but I just want to clear up one other thing. Google isn't the only search engine in town. YouTube, Pinterest, and even Amazon are top search platforms, each with their own unique angle. But regardless of the platform, the game remains the same, which is make yourself findable. Having a blog really is the fastest way to show up in Google, and this makes you findable by your ideal client. This is also when people are the hottest leads because they are actually searching for you versus interruptive marketing so even whether it's an ad or it's just scrolling through social or something they're not necessarily looking for what you have to offer they might it might resonate with them it's not that it's a terrible way to reach people but people are the hottest leads when they have typed something into Google they are ready to take action they're looking for a solution and so you're getting them at the best possible time okay so how does SEO actually work like how do you do it? there's not one single thing that you can do that will guarantee you start ranking on page one for everything. SEO really is a puzzle and a lot of these things end up working together. So the first thing is that keywords are king. It's not about just stuffing keywords everywhere, but if you can find a way to naturally place keywords into things like your blog post title, the subheadings that you have, meta descriptions, into the content in a natural way and use them as like the main characters of your story, then that is a great way to start showing up on Google for the words that people are typing in. And so essentially, if you just think about keywords as what are the words that people type in that would bring them to your site? And so a lot of times people are searching their problem they're not searching for the solution, like they are searching for the solution, but what they type in is not the solution. Like they might not know that cycle syncing is what could help them solve hormonal imbalances, for example, but they know that they have hormonal imbalances. So they might type in irregular periods or something like that. And when you can figure out what keywords you want to rank for, that's the fastest way to start showing up in Google search results. When it comes to those keywords, There's a couple of rules of thumb that I like to use when I'm doing keyword research. So there's lots of keyword research tools out there. One of my favorites is Uber Suggest. When you type in a keyword, it gives you kind of a chart with other keyword ideas. And then it has a search volume, which means how many people are searching this word every single month. And then there's a couple other categories you can kind of ignore. But the search difficulty is the other thing that I look for. And so when you are trying to come up with the keyword you want to use for your post, you want to do something that has less than a 50 of keyword difficulty. If you're a brand new site, I would even go so far as to say less than 30. The biggest mistake that I see people make is that they'll be like, I optimize my posts for keywords, but they didn't choose a keyword that they could actually compete with. So if you are a brand new site or a smaller site, and you do a keyword that has 27,000 searches a month and the keyword difficulty is 72, it's going to be near impossible for you to show up on page one and compete with the people who are showing up there. So it's really important to kind of know who you are and where you're at and then choose those keywords that that you can compete with. So the search difficulty would be like less than 50, maybe less than 30. And then the search volume, it's not as important, but I recommend generally trying to be somewhere between 200 searches a month and 20,000 searches a month, depending on how established your site is. And don't be afraid to go lower. It would be much better to rank on page one for a keyword that has 200 people every single month seeing you on page one, than to try to go for a search volume of 20,000 And you're on page eight. Nobody's ever going to see you on page eight, right? So you found your keywords. You're ready to sprinkle them like the magical SEO fairy dust that they are. And what's next? Because you can't just start randomly posting blogs whenever you feel like it, right? Spoiler, that is not the move. All right. So step number two, niche down as much as possible. So you want to make sure The main content of the website matches the main content of the page. So the narrower and more specific your niche, the better. So gone are the days when you could start a general lifestyle blog that covers like recipes and parenting and fashion and travel. No, you need to pick just one and go deeper, not wider. So that one topic can have three to five core pillar content areas. And we're going to talk about that. And you can go super deep with those in order to establish your expertise to Google. And once you've determined your niche, it's time to identify your content pillars. So topic clusters or content pillars or official WordPress blog categories, these are all the same thing. It's just the way that you structure and organize your content. So categories are like the big content pillars. These are crawled by Google. Google. Tags are more for on-site search. So we actually recommend no indexing your tags. If you use something like Yoast or Rank Math to do your SEO on your site, these are both have free plugins. They're amazing. I would recommend you can just like click a setting button in there that says do not crawl tags. And it's as simple as that. So we're going to identify three to seven absolute max. Content pillars that you'd like to be known for or found for. And remember that, like Google, Google is a robot, right? And robots do not understand multi passionate people. Robots understand Kate is an expert in this. Indira is an expert in that. Not Indira is an expert in X, but she also loves Y and she has a passion for Z. And so we talk about all of it on the blog all the time. Google understands and rewards true. Experts with that authority and trust. So, if you write 20 blog posts all about why carrots are good for you, Google is going to understand that you are an expert in carrots, right? And so, that's a silly example. But now, anytime somebody's searching carrots, you're going to show up because you have written tons of content all about this one topic. So, instead of producing content that covers a wide range of unrelated topics, like Really don't even try to be a lifestyle site anymore and have recipes and motherhood advice and product reviews and fashion tips and mindfulness hats. Like it is, you're going to have much more traffic much more quickly if you choose one core focus and then break that core focus down into those three to five content pillars. And then those can be broken down further into categories. So I'll show you an example of what this looks like. But one of the simplest ways to think about this is just what problem are you solving? So that is your one main topic. And then we're going to create content pillars around that one main topic that you say, What problem am I solving? Pick one, and that will help you figure out where to go from there. So once you do that, your content pillars can speak to those specific problems, or you might want to speak to like your ideal client avatar. And your categories are where you can get really granular and specific. Again, categories are the same thing as content pillars or topic clusters. So for example, you might say the problem I'm solving is getting women pregnant. And the content pillar is optimizing thyroid for fertility. So that's one way that you are solving the problem of getting women pregnant. And then maybe you have a tag totally optional on that post that says hormone testing for fertility. And then your post itself is how to get pregnant if you have Hashimoto's. And then maybe you have one that's how to get pregnant if you have hypothyroidism, how to get pregnant if you have hyperthyroidism. And all of these fit under the main problem you're solving, getting women pregnant with the content pillar of thyroid health and fertility. This is not to say you'll never be successful if you don't take my advice here. It's more about wanting you to get the fastest and the farthest in as little amount of time as possible. And the last thing that you do to bring this all together with your content pillars is to determine the keywords that you want to use for your content pillars and do some keyword research. And now step number three is to create an edit calendar. I recommend planning out your year by quarters. I'm sure we all know by now, Q1 is January through March and so on. So in December, I start planning out my content for Q1. In January, I write all of my content through March. And then in March, I start planning my content for Q2. I recommend using a Google spreadsheet. And it's just super helpful for getting a clear plan of what your content calendar looks like, making sure you have that clear strategy for what you're publishing, when you're publishing it, Why are you even publishing this piece of content? Is it just because like you want to and you're interested or is it actually serving some sort of purpose? What are your keywords? What are your lead magnets that you're gonna share in that post? This has been really helpful for us too of just figuring out like, okay, making sure every post has a lead magnet or some kind of call to action. Every post where it's warranted, what affiliates are we going to include in this post so we can get our affiliate links in? Is there any audio or video content that we want to include here? And making sure like, does it fit in one of the pillar content categories that we've suggested? Just looking at, again, like, do you have a purpose for everything that you're putting out there? So how is this post prepping somebody to buy your offer, for example? Are you debunking myths? Are you busting limiting beliefs? Are you answering frequently asked questions? Are you giving them like some mindset shifts and reframes? Just thinking about, again, going back to organic traffic and an offer of your own and that they need to work together to make this super easy and successful. So that is the edit calendar, which brings us to step four. How often should I post? So Google rewards consistency and quality over quantity, as we already shared. And so with that in mind, and just to paint with incredibly broad strokes, I recommend putting out new content one time per week or once every other week, if that is all you can commit to right now, at least until you've built up an archive of 25 posts. So just to share some personal experience and what I've seen from working with hundreds of clients on this, anything more than twice a week, and I feel like the quality is going to suffer, it's just too much to keep up with. And it's just not necessary for anybody, including your readers in Google. But anything less than once a week, once a month, It just sometimes takes like too long to build that library of content and start ranking for keywords in Google and just getting into a really good momentum. So, I do recommend once a week is ideal. But again, choose what you can actually commit to. Once you have an established library of content and you're consistently generating organic traffic with that content, both those things need to be true just because you have an established library. If you're not actually getting traffic yet, it would not jump here yet. But once you have both of those things happening, you may only need to post new content like a couple times a month or potentially even just a few times per quarter, if that. So there's good news. Again, unlike social media, you can set some things up and then like walk away and let it just work for you and not have to continue showing up with new, 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 new all the time. We're coming up on the end here. And I just want to finish this by saying that if you take nothing else away, I just want you to know that there is another way to do business. There is another way to generate clients and leads and traffic to your website for free on autopilot. And that is through SEO. There's other Factors that go into SEO that we didn't talk about today, like optimizing your website for site speed and performance, making sure it loads quickly, looks good on mobile, makes it easy for visitors to find what they need. But that could be an entire another training. So what I want to leave you with is this. If you're tired of the social media hamster wheel, step off. Your worth, your business's worth, they are not measured in likes and follows or any other vanity metric cooked up by some Silicon Valley think tank. Start focusing on those strategies that truly empower you, that free you from the tyranny of algorithms and social media stress because you and your unique voice deserve a strategy that's as badass as you are. If all of that resonated with you, I'd love to invite you to check out my website, successwithsoul.co, not .com, successwithsoul.co and you'll see lots of different blog posts and you can see what an SEO optimized website really looks like and how we can help you improve your SEO so you can reclaim your time and energy and your life. And of course, you can also find me on the Success with Soul podcast, which is everywhere podcasts are distributed. I'll see you later. My name is Brittany Herzberg, and I'm a massage
3: therapist turned SEO and case study copywriter thanks to 2020 and my discovery of webinars. Coaches, copywriters, and other service providers work with me when they're ready to stop being the internet's best-kept secret and start showing up as the answer to a Googled question. We do this by utilizing the most magical marketing combination under the sun, SEO plus storytelling plus social proof. One silly practice coaches need to ditch right away is relying on social media alone. When you understand that more than 3.5 billion, yes, billion with a B, like me, 3.5 billion searches are happening on Google each day, and you learn that incorporating social proof like testimonials and case studies can increase your revenue by more than 60%, you see how super silly it is not to include SEO and case studies as part of your business marketing strategy on your very own website. Creating long-lasting keyword and social proof rich content is not a nice to have. It's a need to have, but you could also think about it like extra credit for your business. And as a former straight A student, recovering perfectionist and lover of learning, I say we take a shot at this extra credit situation because extra credit for business owners equals more visibility, more clients, more impact, and yes, more money. Let me share a bit more about why we all need to let this practice go. Being tethered to our phones and posting to social media multiple times a day just ain't cutting it anymore. Not as the only content marketing strategy you implement, especially when that content only lasts as long as the stomach flu. The need to be on social media frequently takes away from you truly showing up and being present with your family. And if you're like, B, I am creating content on my site, yay! But not optimizing it with SEO is a huge missed opportunity. Whether you're posting on your site or to social, if you're not including SEO, you're basically putting all this time and effort into creating these compelling pieces of content, but they're left to collect digital dust because no one knows they exist after you initially promote it. The great news is that it doesn't actually take that much time or know-how to optimize these practices. Before I take you through the steps, let me introduce what you can do instead. Write case studies rooted in SEO and story. Instead of posting multiple times a day to social or avoiding those three little letters, SEO, because you feel like it's going to be too expensive or you're too new or it's too late or you think it's fine, I don't need to focus on that right now, know this. Now is the time to get a grip on the basics of SEO, and you are in the perfect place to improve your ranking, because one of the easiest ways to do that is to create content on your site. And as a coach, your best content are your clients' stories and results. Remember I said the most magical marketing combination is SEO plus story plus social proof? Well, here's why. SEO gets those warm to hot leads to your site, Story hooks and engages them. And social proof sells. Case studies are the perfect content marketing pieces because they combine all three of those elements beautifully into a long-lasting, high-converting, and findable piece of content. An added bonus, by highlighting your clients who you helped get real results, you let them tell the story and do the selling for you. Who doesn't want that? So how about I show you some simple steps to help you show up as the answer to a Googled question by really leaning on the social proof you already have. Now I'm gonna take you through each step and there's two phases. So phase one is the SEO stuff. You're gonna start with your social proof. What are clients already saying about you? If you're wondering where to look, just go back and check any place that you have communicated with your clients. Your email, DMs, survey forms, recorded interviews, Take screenshots and add those to a social proof folder, either on your desktop or in your Google drive. If you don't already have that, you might wanna just make one right now. (laughs) And then you're gonna give yourself five minutes to brainstorm. So put five minutes on the timer if you need to. I want you to write out phrases, questions, ideas, thoughts, what searches might your ideal client actually be typing into Google? And base this brainstorm on that social proof on the testimonials you just gathered. Then you're going to test your hypothesis. We're going to use a couple tools for two things here. So first you want to pull up Google. Type in one phrase from your brainstorm. Look at that results page. Would it make sense for your case study to show up here on this page, along with these other results? Does it seem like your peers would be coming to this page? Or would your clients be coming here? If it's your peers, that keyword isn't going to make the cut because we're trying to attract clients. If it's your clients, That keyword definitely makes the cut. Add it to your keyword list. The second thing we're gonna do is use a tool called Ubersuggest Chrome Extension. It's free, just Google it, and it takes like 15 seconds to download. We're gonna use that tool to check the search volume, which is on average each month, how many people are searching for this keyword. An ideal search volume is zero to 1,000, with the best being zero to 100. This is why. Let's say you find a phrase and the search volume is 3,200. That's going to be too large because if you show up in that search results page, you're going to be a little fish in a very big pond. But let's say you find a search volume of 30, you're going to be a big fish in a small pond. And those leads are likely going to be warm to hot leads. So just something to consider there. Whatever keywords Pass both of those tests, you want to add them to a keyword list and you want to keep that about five to ten keywords long. That's why we're really only aiming for like 30 minutes for that exercise. The second phase of this is taking those keywords to create your case study. So I want you to know that it's totally possible to create a case study in as little as one week. But maybe for your first one, give yourself about two weeks. First thing you want to do is identify who you want to feature. Usually it's someone who's already out there evangelizing about you and your business. Or someone who has great data to show off, or someone who's a fantastic example of working through your framework that you teach. The next thing you want to do is outline their story, and I would suggest using my pet framework, which I actually created because I felt like written storytelling was a weak point for me, so I created this framework. It stands for Problem Experience Transformation. So we want to spend the first part of the case study really laying out where were these, where was this person before working with you. Then we want to move into What was their experience like of working with you? And the final part of the case study is the transformation. So what results did they get by working with you or what is now possible because they worked with you? Quick little thing I wanna point out here is that there are always gonna be internal transformations, emotional transformations, but not everyone will have an external or like numerical transformation. So keep that in mind. And if quote unquote, all you have is an internal transformation, know that that is absolutely perfect and actually the stronger transformation. After you create your outline, then you want to create an SEO strategy for your case study. So there's a few critical things you need to focus on for your on-page SEO strategy. So this case study actually gets found and it's being pushed out to search engines 24 seven. First, you wanna choose a target keyword. There's usually one to two target keywords and then list out any keywords that are supportive, synonymous or similar you're going to write an SEO title and meta description. And those are the two pieces that actually show up on the Google results page. So the blue hyperlinked text that you see on Google search results pages, that's the SEO title. Your meta description is in the gray, and it's usually one to two sentences long. You're going to want to use keywords in your image title and your alt text. Not only is including alt text helpful to anyone with a visual disability, it also helps your page get found using images because if you've noticed, Google has that images tab on their search results pages. Then we want to make sure we have a keyword rich H1 headline. That's the giant headline that you see on every web page. There can only be one H1 per page and search engines really need to see keywords in that headline so they know who to match you with. Who's searching and where can they show you? Last thing to do is write and share. And everyone likes to know how long case studies should be. Minimum 500 words. The maximum I've written was about 1900 words, but most of my case studies are in the 1000 word range. Use those as guideposts. The biggest mistake I see with case studies, aside from people just not writing them or writing boring ones, is that people don't share them. So I'm going to share a few ideas of things that you could do to get your case study out there. First, you could feature the person on your podcast and link to their case study in the show notes. You could also create a carousel or a reel on Instagram and make the call to action something like read the full story here. And of course, share the link. You could strategically link to case studies from different pages on your site. An example would be on your services page. You link to a case study about a client who booked that service. And of course... Use your case studies as part of your pre-launch and launch funnels. SEO is doing its job 24-7. So by you doing just that little bit of quote-unquote work every so often, you're just adding a cherry on top. Here's what's possible when coaches use my straight A's framework, which I just walked you through. Those phases, in case you didn't catch them, were acknowledge. What do you want to be known for? Analyze. What are clients already saying about you? What is the keyword research revealing? Approach. Use on-page SEO strategies and my pet framework to create a compelling story arc. And action, write and share your case study. When coaches use this framework to implement SEO and create compelling case studies, they increase their visibility, get found online 24-7 with very little effort, create compelling and high-converting content that's truly theirs, attract warm-to-hot leads, become a sought-after expert, and make a bigger impact in this world. If you take nothing else away from this episode, know that SEO can be simple, smart, and strategic. It doesn't need to cost a boatload of money or your soul. (laughs) By adding just a couple proven practices, SEO and case studies, to your marketing workflows, which you're already doing, you can cement your authority, get found online, and boost conversions. It is possible to master SEO, to become an incredible storyteller, and to write content that matters and lasts. You totally got this.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're new to Coaches on a Mission, please take a moment to like, subscribe, follow, do all the things so that you don't miss another episode. This small act of support actually helps us get this important what to do instead message into more earbuds of values-driven coaches just like you. So speaking of that, if you know a values-driven coach who could benefit from this episode, this show, or definitely this series, please share this episode with them now. And don't forget to download your companion What to Do Instead magazine now at dallastravers.com slash WTDI. We will see you soon for another excellent episode.